Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, where's your emergency? Someone overdosed? What's the address? I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Lebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label. What's going on? Welcome! Hockey to hell and back, episode number... 72, of course, I'm Brady Liebold, coming at you guys live, if you're listening live, from now Muskoka, Ontario. I absolutely love it up here. I've been working the last couple of days on this incredible place, this island. It's like a dream place. Right down this, right down the lake from John Tavares' place, too. So it's been, it's been kind of cool uh, just to get out there, get some fresh air. I'm feeling a lot better for a lot of you guys that watch or listen to this show. You guys know that I went through a pretty rough patch there for whatever reason. And again, that doesn't mean that I went back to drugs. I do suffer from mental illness too. I was in a really dark place and, you know, I got through it. And, you know, I just share that with everybody openly because I think we're all having really trying times, at least 
a lot of the people I'm speaking to these days anyways. So I try to remain authentic to you guys, but I am feeling much better. So thank you for all the continued support. But before we go any further uh, tonight, uh, of course, today is September 30th. And today is the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Today honors the lost children and survivors of residential schools, their families, and communities. I'm having trouble tonight, guys. Public commemoration of the tragic and painful history and ongoing impacts of residential schools is a vital component of the reconciliation process. And if you can see my shirt, of course, it's Orange Shirt Day. But this shirt actually came from a young local girl hockey player, uh, Patience Commanda of the Rama First Nations, just down the road from where we live here. And uh, Susan upstairs went and picked it up for me. Uh, so just a shout out to Patience. She does a lot of amazing things in her community and all the money that she raised went to the Rama commemorative space and pathway to honor our 60 scoop survivors and residential school children, because this is still an ongoing problem. For anybody that doesn't know, you know, the last residential school was closed in 1996. And this is something that we just need to ingrain into everyday life. So I proudly wear this orange shirt. And I know my guest has his on today as well. And I hope you guys all took time today, uh, at least if you didn't have the orange shirt on, to take some time to reflect uh, and really just think about what we can do to, to make this country, this world, a better place moving forward for everybody. Uh, anyways, guys, I'm going to kick it over to one sponsor and we'll be right back. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Always got to give my guy Regan Bartel a shout out. I love that guy. Great play-by-play guy, even better person. I've shared this story once before, but when I was in rehab in Kelowna, it's like the fifth or sixth time trying to get clean. You know, he came, he pulled, you know, he messaged me, brought me. We actually went to church together. We went for coffee, just an incredible human being. So Regan, if you are listening to this episode, I love you and I'll never, ever forget that. And I just can't wait to give you a big hug when I'm through Kelowna next summer on the rollerblade across Canada. Anyways, let's do it. I don't have an intro prepared tonight because I want to get right in the conversation because I've now watched this YouTube presentation twice and it's a hot topic you guys know I'm very passionate about. So without further ado, from Sportsnet, Vancouver, Hockey Night in Canada, and he also does a lot of other things on Sportsnet too. Dan Murphy, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, Brady? Thanks so much for having me. Man, it's a pleasure. I, you know, I've grown up watching you. You know, I grew up in Vancouver, right? So I was, I was reflecting back on, on some of the pictures of like today when you first started. And uh, it's, it's crazy just to see, right? How we've all kind of grown up and you've grown up in Van- with the Vancouver Canucks and you've done such a remarkable job, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's been a long time now. Like, it's not seasons, but I started doing the Canucks after the Grizzlies. And that was my first season covering the Canucks full-time traveling was 0102. So two decades, it's starting to get up there. And and when you think (laughs) about like, I was hired at Sportsnet the month that Quinn Hughes was born. So I've gone from kind of being some of you guys age to being older than some of their dads. That's how long it's been. 
Well, that speaks volumes for how well you're doing your job, right? To be able to stay and do that for so long. It's must, it must have been so much fun over these years just to be in that atmosphere. Um, you know, I want to kind of get into your career a little bit, but today I really want to touch on the mental health space and the stuff that, you know, you're doing. It's incredible. Um, recently, you guys did a presentation which is available on YouTube. If you're listening, watching, I'll have the link in the description. If you haven't seen it, check it out. How to start a conversation about mental health with Kevin Bieksa and Dr. Melody Badali, and it's incredible. So tell us a little bit about that and how that came about and how you got involved with that. Well, really, um, so a, a former executive with the Vancouver Canucks, T.C. Carling, uh, who is now the president uh, of uh, Men's Mental Health Canada, um, he had the idea, and he was actually the guy behind uh, the uh, hockey talks way back when in 2011 uh, after Rick Rippon passed. TC was still with the Canucks organization then. So um, he helped start that um, and uh, that initiative. And now he's with uh, Mental Health Canada. So, he, you know, of course, I have a relationship with, with him. I still see him uh, quite often. Um, and he knows Kevin DX so well. And so at the start of the pandemic, I want to say, maybe not the start, but, you know, maybe a month into it. So April, maybe May of 2020, uh, I did a, a, a talk with a couple of doctors just about having to navigate uh, anxiety uh, during the pandemic because uh, for a lot of people that didn't suffer from any form of, of mental health, they started to have some. And then those who had it, it was just exasperated because of the situation they were in and being locked down and everything. So that grew. I did that one talk. And then, of course, they came up with the initiative move uh, for your mental health. And they just thought that uh, Kevin and I could, could speak. And Kevin and I have had a pretty good friendship over the years. Uh, and so there was other athletes who spoke in different episodes about different topics like Trevor Linden and Tommy yep. Europe and Simon Whitfield. Uh, but it kind of grew from that TC Carling and just uh, my relationship with Kevin and then having some, done something about a year ago with them as well. Yeah. And, you know, I had a I had a lot of takeaways from that presentation. I thought you guys did a great job kind of hitting on uh, a bunch of different angles, covering everything and something that I hadn't really thought about because being the person who it's, you know, of course, I talk to a lot of people in, in these days and I try to be there for people like it's it's, you know, that it's pretty wide open. We're, you know, we're so easily connected these days and it's so great in so many ways. But what I realized was I had always thought just like, OK, well, for me anyways, what it was like for me and having to or getting the chance to listen to, you know, Kevin speak about his experience as the friend. I think I think that was uh, you guys really hit a nail on the head with that one. I think that is going to really resonate with a lot of people. And I would encourage anybody to check it out. I, you guys just did unbelievable. What's the feedback been like since coming out with that? Uh, it's, it's been really good. I get it uh, more through TC, and, and I think you hit that on the head. I, I mean, a lot of people, it, it's becoming obviously way more mainstream now, trying to remove the stigma around mental health. But, you know, it's this is still relatively new space for a lot of people, and, and me included. And um, sometimes it's difficult to know how to talk to someone who you may suspect wants to talk or maybe needs some help but doesn't know how to ask for help. And sometimes it's as easy as, hey, are you feeling okay today? Sometimes it's more, sometimes you back off. So I think it's just more about trying to navigate uh, for people that don't have a lot of experience uh, in these situations. And I'm one of those. And you know, I'll give you a little story. And, and everybody knows Corey Hirsch and, and the work that he's done. Um, he was always my favorite backup goalie growing up. I was always, if I ever was goalie, I was always Corey Hirsch, always. He had the best mask to that. Uh, you know, That's the, why. Uh, Bates Motel one. 
Um, but he lost someone. We were in a road trip a couple years back and we were in um, Florida and he found someone close to him uh, uh, had passed, uh, had taken their life. And so he was a massive hit. Of course, he had to fly to go uh, back to Arizona um, to, you know, help out, uh, help out there. So we didn't want him to fly alone. So the next morning I got up and, you know, we had a game that day, but the bosses said, let's do it. And so I flew with him from, I think it was from Fort Lauderdale uh, to Phoenix. I got him to the doctor's office and where he had to go. And then I flew back. But uh, the whole time was difficult. Like on the plane here, you've got a guy beside you, you know, he's had mental health issues. Uh, he's grieving someone who's, who's done this. And, and I had a real tough time, you know, knowing what to say. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what I said was, listen, man, I, I don't have a lot of experience in this. I'm right here. If you want to talk, let's do it. If you don't, I'm here just to, to support. But I think it'd be very difficult for people who, who don't understand it to uh, find a way to talk about it. And I think that's what Kevin went through with Rick, right? Yeah. They were friends. Uh, you want to make sure that he feels supported. But a lot of times if you're too pushy, um, you can cause them to back off. So there's no right way of doing it, I don't think. Uh, it's just trying to find a way to do it where um, the person's receptive. Yeah, and I mean, we, we go to the story of Rick and I played against Rick in the Western League and, you know, like everybody was scared of Rick, right? Like, you know, and for good reason, he was, you know, he was just a, you just, he played the game hard. He was just, he, he was just that guy. And I I just think back to, to that, that summer, you know, you get Belak, Bugard, Rippin. Um, and I don't know how much you know about what I've been doing, but, um, you know, with puck support and stuff and just, you know, I keep having, I keep uncovering stories just in the hockey community, um, you know, of hockey players who have overdosed or taken their own life. And uh, just before we came on, we were talking to Dave Zarn, who's uh, one of the athletic therapists for the Canucks and was an old trainer of mine, always took such great care of me. Incredible guy. Um, and a quick story. Uh, I actually ran into him outside uh, Rogers Arena when I was homeless on Hastings coming out of Costco. And he pulled me aside and, you know, I was in really rough shape, right? And I was down there for almost a year. So, and, and he like gave me a hug and stuff and had a conversation where, you know, though, you know, I still went on a pretty dark path. I still never forgot that, that he actually took the time to, to still talk to me where a lot of people, and it happened a lot where they would see me and just be like, no, we know he's bad news. So we're not going to talk to him. Right. So that meant a lot, but yeah, it's um, now I'm kind of getting off topic with where I was going with that. But yeah, with, you know, that just the tragedies and with Dave Zarn, like, you know, we put the names in the clothing like this. You can tell Zarno, like that was, you know, that was, he was in Zarno's wedding party. That was our assistant coach for the Victoria Salmon Kings, right? He took his own life in 2015. And I actually, another, I know I want to ask you questions, but I just want to tell this story because sometimes I forget things with all the concussions I've had. It's a crazy story. Quentin Van Horlick was his name. And this is a true story. Like the very first time I ever went to rehab, um, very first time it was like six months after, you know, I kind of stopped playing and I was like 22 and really having a hard time. And I was nervous, never been to rehab. And when I got to rehab, I walked through those doors and the very first person I saw was Quentin Van Horlick. And we were in rehab together and, you know, he gave me a hug and, you know, unfortunately he, he had a really tough go in there. Um, and, you know, he was, I think, yeah, I had, got asked to leave or whatever after three, four weeks. And I never got to see him again. And, you know, he was such a great friend. And this is the, 
the narrative that we're unfortunately hearing. So once again, I just want to say thank you for you guys uh, just taking the time out of your lives to do that and just to have the passion and just provide the space for people to listen because, you know, I've read some of the comments and um, that you guys got and from that video and it's, it's remarkable, right? Like we are doing, it is mainstream, but like Dan, like we are nowhere near where we really need to be, are we? No, that's in the empty stages. There's no question about that. I mean, I, I, I do think that, I mean, uh, people like yourself that open up um, and you had, the mental health side of things you had the addiction side of things right and sometimes they go hand in hand obviously yes um, yeah. but um but it is still in the emphasis stage right this is I, I don't even know if all 30 teams or 32 teams are involved in hockey talks at this point um you know it takes resources but i, I do think you see things now where there it's becoming people are becoming more comfortable to talk about it tyler yes. mott last year Yep. Right. He I, yeah he's like a yeah I, I absolutely love i love that i was i'm yeah. a huge tyler mott fan jonathan Duran, right just yes. started speaking about it so i think athletes and not only are they, they speaking about kevin love in basketball yes not only are they speaking about it but it's being received full so favorably that they're doing it that i think it just that's the reason why uh when people speak it's so powerful because someone else will say you know what i can speak too to to my situation and perhaps i can reach someone else so it, yeah. it, it's got a long ways to go, no doubt. But I do think it's come a long ways in the last decade too. For sure. Absolutely. And what, what would you say would be your takeaway and say, you know, in, in your space as a analyst traveling with NHL players from the time you started from the time now, like is, I know it's still probably not because I have friends that still play. It's obviously it's not as openly talked about, but is it, you know, around the league from your perspective, you know, has things gotten better and and are guys more inclined to talk about it? Or is it still kind of like that mentality of hockey player where the the champion athlete, right? Like you it's know, there's there's definitely still some of that. And you know, right? That there's yeah. that's the stigma, right? You don't want to show weakness. I mean, that's yeah. and, and it's it's not a weakness, but it's perceived as that for some of these guys. Yeah. But I think what it does, and, and I'm not privy to a lot of it because the players talk amongst themselves, but I think what it would be is that if Tyler Mott shares a story, there's gonna be another player that gets his number and texts him and says, hey, man, you know, thank you for this. Or you see Josh Anderson support Jonathan Drouin, yep. right? So I just think that, uh, you know, we might, we might hear about a fraction of the conversations that are actually going on um, yeah. amongst some of these guys who have opened up uh, with other players that might want to do the same, might not want to do the same, but at least they know they have an ally when it comes to mental health support. That's exactly it. And I've been very fortunate lately to have the opportunity to speak with some minor hockey associations. And um, the res the response that I got back as much as I, I don't want it because I don't want people suffering, you know, I'd, I'd rather them, I'd rather just to know that everyone's okay, but I know that's not the case, but they're the emails that I got from some of these, these kids and the coaches that were, and it was only 70, uh, participants in the zoom. And I think I got eight or nine emails and I was thinking to myself, how many others in there just didn't have the courage or just didn't feel comfortable to reach out yeah. that maybe needed to. So it really put things into perspective for me. You know, there was different things about addiction, mental illness, uh, a sibling, you know, it was all of it. So I know that it's virtually everywhere around us. People are being affected by it. Right. Is it, Think about that, Brady. That's still 15% of the people that you spoke to. 15%. Yeah. That's not a small number. And then yeah. I think you're correct to assume there are more that weren't 
comfortable to do it to reach out yet and there's more that just that couldn't bring themselves to do it so i mean if you start if your floor is 15 percent, I'm, I'm not even sure what the ceiling is yeah well and i just i just that's my biggest goal is to because man moving away from home murph it was so tough right and and again going back to couldn't show weakness or anything it was it was like you were even in your own team and at least for me and junior like any weakness was preyed upon by other guys because they're looking to get that jump in the lineup or whatever that spot on the power play and so it's it's a really uh it's a really tough one but i just think that by continuing to talk about it i think we can make a lot of change but you guys also touched on a great topic it or at least you know kevin mentioned in there is might be a budget thing right is i i don't know what it's currently like in bc and and what the funding is like out there but from my research basically right across the board it's very lacking and misunderstood misunderstood you're right. There's got to be far more funding for a lot of different initiatives um, and maybe in a roundabout way, uh, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic might help kickstart some of that. Yes. Right. Because it, it there's a whole lot of, of people who'd never had problems before that were suffering from some form of, of anxiety. But yeah, I mean, the, the programs have to start. Um, they have to offer support. But that's where I think uh, there's so much more conversation around it. There's so much more understanding about it. And there's so many more uh, people in power that are willing uh, to, to help do something about it that I think it, it will expand. Um, I think there will be more programs. I think there be, will be more funding. Um, and um, it's going to take time. But I, I definitely think that, um, you know, it's it's far more out there than it ever was. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to rewind to something because it just clicked in my brain when you're saying, you know, you still don't think all the NHL teams are participating in hockey talks and maybe, and I don't want to lead you down a path where you have to make a comment you don't want to, but I'm just going to say like, why the hell are they not? It doeson't yeah. make any sense. It's. Yeah. Um, I, I think like, I think the start off a Canadian thing, right? So I think the, the Canadian teams were in it. There might be a different website in the States, uh, foundry or something like that. So uh, I, I do think that all the organizations, though, there is a game uh, for uh, mental health awareness. Uh, so I think I think it, it, it has become a bit of a league-wide initiative. They just haven't jumped into it as deep as the Vancouver Canucks did to start. Yeah, and they've you know they really took took charge, and it it's nice to see as as tragic of a story as Rick is to see so much good come from it. The people rally around the story, like yourself and Kevin and the endless other people that have, you know, donated their time, money, um, resources, talents, whatever it is, uh, just to, even if it's just to make a small difference and just save one life at a time, it, you know, it's, those are the, you guys are the type of people, uh, other advocates that we need more of. We need more of uh, people. If you know, you're not suffering yourself, but you know, somebody, it's also important to maybe look for support if you are the one who is supporting, right? Like that, that's something that I hadn't thought about much of either. And which you guys also touched on. Yeah. And, and it might not be uh, emotional support. It might just yeah. be more support of how, how can I navigate my way through this situation? What tools can I use? Um, how, how can I get a breakthrough? Uh, how do I know when to push? How do I know when to back off? Yeah. Um, how do I know when to kind of break trust? You know, if I think something's going really, you know, sideways here, 
like, you know, this person trusts me completely, but there's got to be a time where I might need to ask for help to, to deal with the situation. So those are all the things where I think um, people, in, especially in my situation, uh, would need if you're, if you're trying to help someone in this situation. I mean, Kevin's amazing, right? It was yeah. he, him and, and, and Rick were best friends. I, I, like, I knew Rick. For me, I guess I could say I probably knew him better than any member of the media. Um, you know, we, we were best friends. We hung out once or twice, uh, had beers here and there. Uh, he, he, near the end, he was opening up saying he might be ready to tell a story. Would I write a book? And, and I was like, I'm, I'm not the person to write this book. You need someone with far better writing chap, uh, you know, chaps than me. But, um, you know, I think just the way Kevin has, um, continued this, this, this legacy uh, of Rick and, and talks about it, you know, at the drop of a hat. Someone wants to talk about it. Kevin's in. He talks about it. He he goes through the story over and over and over. And I'm sure it's painful. Maybe it's cathartic. Um, but uh, you know, just to have voices like that that uh, you know are are real big public figures. I think yeah. it just carries so much more weight. Yeah, and he's. I mean, if anything, I think he's more of a public figure now than than he ever was. Yeah. Uh, maybe right. I think. Just a little plug for him, but I like the first time I saw him on on Hockey Night in Canada, I was like, "Wow, we might." I said, "We might be looking at like the new Don Cherry for like my grandkids, like you know, like for like you know what I mean." My like he might be like all old and white when my grandkids are growing up on Hockey Night in Canada type deal. You know what I mean? Like not the same yeah. as Don, but just that that guy who was on TV, and I think he's doing a great job. You guys all do such an amazing job, and I got to give a shout-out to Sportsnet because they were the first one that kind of picked up my story. Gary Joyce did it um, like a year and a half ago, I guess, and they have just they were they were always so great to me. Tara Sloan's been on, and Kelly Rudy, and so I've had the – Tim McAuliffe, I've had the Sportsnet lineup. It's been absolutely fantastic, so you guys are great. Yeah, I mean, it's, Kelly has got a story to tell too. His family – um, you know, Tara's has suffered some herself, yep. right? So the more people that, that have a bit of a voice and that can, uh, to share their stories, it's, it's only going to help. And I, 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 like I'm obligated. I don't think I can say anything more nice about Kevin because if he hears <laughs> yeah. about it, yeah, then his head's going to blow He probably off. won't. He probably won't. I'm not going to, we'll, we'll edit that out. I'll have to delete the live and not put that in. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But, uh, you're right. But I, I think there's, uh, uh, many of these media members now, um, whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or The Score or CBC uh, News or Sports, I think more and more are realizing um, how mental health impacts everything, right? Yeah. Every industry. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, it affects it. Um, and so uh, you might as well talk about it because it, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's going to need um, you know, help moving forward. So the more times you can amplify the message, it's it's only going to help uh, that one kid that might hear it the first time, not doing anything. Second time, not doing it. Third time, not fourth time. Okay, maybe I'm ready to talk to someone. You know, so that's right. You can't hear it enough. That's absolutely right. And I've had way too many conversations with family members who have lost a loved one. You can see the pictures behind me, and just the even the most recent one that I've had. It's just it's it's heartbreaking, and and the common theme is it's like always wondering you know if we could have done more and you know in some of the situations i really don't think that you can you know you can keep offering the help and and being there but sometimes you know it's it's out of our control and we just have to do the best to support each other and our loved ones and and honestly i i really believe that for like what i want to set my 
my sights on my goals, where I want to really focus my efforts is, you know, certainly in the hockey community, I one day want to kind of branch out because I do have a ton of other lived experience and, you know, with all the other stuff that I've done, because, you know, being in jail, Murph, you know, you want to talk about that and mental illness and addiction and, um, you know, guys that can't even read or write their own name. Um, who are 30, 40 years old that are just in this cycle of getting in, going out, and just, and they're all mentally ill and, and, and not getting the help that they need. Um, it was terribly sad to see um, and have, you know, and then be on Hastings, same thing. It's like you think all those drug addicts down there on Hastings, they don't all have underlying mental illnesses and things going on. And it's, it's, I never thought I was going to end up down there man that's uh it's a story for another day but, yeah, but you know what congrats for breaking the cycle right i mean to go what you went through and to make it out the other side and not to be doing something about it with a clear mind and um you know real some, days. <laughs> some days but, yeah, some no, days of course some days but, I mean, um you know as you know improvement's not always linear yeah right it's not always going to be a straight line up, right? It, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to learn that one, especially as a you know, as trying to be a a elite athlete or whatever. You just want to get there as as quickly as you can. And yeah. but yeah, it's what were you saying there about? Uh, I think I was just just saying progression is not always linear. So there's going to be uh, this is for people with mental health problems, people that 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 don't have any. Uh, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be bad days. There's going to be bad weeks, but as long as the curve is, you know, year over year is going up, that's the, that's the main goal. Yeah. And how have, how have you seen the impact maybe in, in your life and, and you don't have to go, you know, into detail too much, just with your friends, family, um, in your job, how have you seen the effects of COVID kind of play in, and in the progression from the start until now? And like, what, what's your overall feeling of, of people's well-being right now? Well, I mean, I think it's tough. And again, a lot, a lot of people are going to speak about it, right, openly. Uh, I can tell you, for me, I, I never, I, I'd never been um, diagnosed with any mental health problems, I don't think, other than, you know, yeah. having some sad days and stuff. I never had any. Uh, and for me, COVID was, at the start, was like, okay, this is kind of weird and kind of new, you know. And then, but after a while, um, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to say my job is who I am, but some, you need that routine. Yes. You need that kind of, you get up in the morning, that purpose. What am I doing today? Uh, you know, what I have to do for work? Uh, you know, what rink are we in? What, you know, what projects are we working on? You kind of need to have that purpose. And when day after day you're waking up and you're like, you know, do I even feel like working out today? Like, how am I going to homeschool today? And it, it's just more of a, a pall because you didn't know when it was going to end. And, you know, and so I, I went through that, I think, like probably almost anyone. Um, where you're just kind of like, it's just a drag to wake up and it takes, you know, you have to, it, it takes a little something to get out of that, whether it be okay, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to run and then I'm going to homeschool and then I'm going to bake with my daughter. And then you kind of fill your day up. So you, you, you feel you have a calendar, but there's no question probably for, you know, six, eight weeks there, I found it uh, super difficult. So that's when I say, I can't even imagine people that already had underlying mental health issues or, you know, people that had mental health issues, what they were going through in a time like that, being closed, whether if they, especially if they lived alone, being closed off from everyone, 
uh, you know, I had my wife and my daughter and our dog. I mean, I was still surrounded by a house, right? I had money. I didn't lose my job. So all of these other situations that people went through, that's what I'm like. I can't even imagine uh, the stresses that that would cause on, on the human brain. Yeah, it's, um, you know, just from the the plenty of conversations I've had, there's a lot of people that are still struggling and it's uh, scary times, but I just, I keep hoping that things are, are going to slowly kind of go back to normal what's the uh what's what's the situation like at rogers with fans and and all of that right now so i think right now uh for the so preseason game first one is on the so what's the, the third and i think it's 50 percent capacity okay. now i think they're hoping so they start the cannot start on a six game road trip um and they come back so i think every i think every rink except for rogers in canada now has been approved for 100 percent capacity whether or not that is a good thing you know they happen um so i think they're hoping that by the time the canucks get back their first home game is october the 26th but maybe dr bonnie henry at that point will say okay uh 100 capacity for fully vaxxed people and we're comfortable with that but you know you, you have to wait and do what the public health officials say so it's going to be 50 percent for the preseason, but hopefully uh, they'll be uh, at a higher percentage than that once the regular season starts in late October. Yeah, and I have to ask you because you know yeah. I'm not I'm not always I'm always been a Vancouver Canucks fan, but I kind of lost the love for the Canucks when they traded Pavel Bure away because he was my guy, and it was just it's always hurt like it still hurts. Um, but how are they looking this year? Like, what can we expect? Because of course I still follow them and I was, I do want them to win a cup. I was down there in 2011 when they lost and all that, you know, it was just in 94. I got my teddy bear with the Jersey on my teddy bear, pulling him around the wagon, cheering like six years old. Nope. No win there. Like, Oh man. So how are we looking this year? You know, uh, let's just say, let's assume that Pedersen and Hughes get signed in the next yeah. Minute weekend or next couple is days that, whatever is, is that is that probably going to happen like gonna happen. i mean like, it's, this is always what happens it's probably yeah. a tough negotiation but the players want to play there's no doubt and at some point they're going to say to their agents okay get me the best possible deal now let's move on so let, let's assume that uh Pedersen and hughes are in the fold we still don't know about travis hamannick right he's still a man yeah. and tomorrow's the day where he has to decide whether he wants to opt out of the season now he doesn't have to opt out, but that makes things more complicated because um, you know that they. I guess most people think it's a it's a vaccine thing. He's hesitant to get it. So if, if he doesn't get it, let's say he doesn't get it, and the Canucks allow him to play, well, he's going to miss 30, 40 games because every time they come back from the states, he's got to quarantine for two weeks. So does that make sense? Anyway, so if fully healthy, I think the four group is like way better than last year. Like I think this four group has a chance to be top third of the league, top 10, okay? Uh, the additions of Dickinson, uh, defensive see. center, that'll free up Horvat. He's not going to have to take the, Horvath, the, the tough minutes. Um, you've got Garland, who's so underrated. Nobody saw him uh, in Arizona. Just a little guy, just gritty. Uh, and then you have Pod Colson, who's another guy that sticks his nose where it doesn't belong, a rookie that's just a, a, a real big kid. So all of a sudden now you've got some pieces that fit in the top six, not bottom six, which is where they were heavy the last few seasons. Yeah. Uh, so I think the four group uh, looks really good. The defense, that remains to be seen, right? They took a big gamble on OEL. It's got a lot of money left. They just got rid of one anchor contract in Louis Erickson. So they're hoping that this new environment for that OEL was a tough one, eh? Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's, yeah, no, a that's tough, tough one. for Louis too, right? He just yeah, very, very tough. Yeah. But I, I think so. OEL is a gamble. Um, 
you know, uh, his last two, three seasons in Arizona weren't great. Didn't get along with the coach. Um, and maybe this would rejuvenate him. He skates like the wind still. Um, you know, he's, he's a better offensive version than Alex Edler. They wear the same number. He's not nearly yeah. as physical as Alex, but he skates far better at this point in his career. So yeah. I think a lot hinges on OEL. If he can eat those 22, 23 minutes a night, kind of end up on the even side of things with, you know, uh, with score, that'll be a good thing. Um, because the defense, you know, who knows? Tucker Pullman, defensive guy, looks like he's going to play with him. So big body, maybe that works. His numbers weren't always great in Winnipeg when they played him up the lineup. Uh, Hughes, um, you know, he's big point so, guy. He is so, so good. Oh, my God. He is so nasty, that guy. I watch him like, oh, man, I'd love to watch that guy play. I could just – yeah, I just love watching that guy play. I played with I played with Tyler Myers in Kelowna too. Actually, he sat right next to me in the in in the dressing room. He was seventeen that year. Yeah, yeah. Tall back. Yeah. You know, he, the poor, he's judged by his contract, which is not yeah. right. But he's he still plays. Yeah. So I think a lot of it hinges on the defense. I think um, it's unfair to a team to say I hope they can outscore their problems because there's not many teams that can do that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that Thatcher Demko, despite having played less than 100 games in the league, I do think he's the real deal. And that's always a tough thing to say about a goaltender because you never really know about goalies if they're going to have sustained success. Because not a lot do, right? A couple of a couple good years off here. There's very few that have sustained success. So um, I think that coupled with the division they're in gives them a crack at making the playoffs, um, which is saying something because they finished dead last in the division last year. <laughs> but I think Vegas is number one. I still think Edmonton is number two. And then you can make an argument, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, maybe even Los Angeles. I don't know. Like, are they ready to make that jump now? Um, so I could take an argument about any of those teams finishing third in the division. It's ex- it's exciting moving into the, the season. It's, you know, I even found like I was, I really got into hockey again. There was like, 10 years where I didn't watch hockey, it almost hurt too much, right? But this past year now, I'm, I got into it, and that's when the Stanley Cup playoffs were over. It's like, that's when I started to have, like, nothing to look forward to. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, what am I doing tonight? I've got no hockey to watch. I'm just going to watch Toronto Blue Jays, which is fine, but it's like, and so I'm, I'm just excited, and it, it's it's great to have hockey back, and I think it's, it's also great that the kids are getting a chance to, to get back and play, and it's uh, it's so nice to see the kids on the ice because it was real tough times there for a lot of kids um, and parents too because kids were, you know, essentially cooped up in their house with without their friends and without their outlet. Like I couldn't imagine if that was me at, you know, when I was a kid when I really needed hockey because that was my only safe place. Like that, you know, nobody else knew what was going on inside here. So it's just it's it's nice to have hockey back. What are you most excited about? Or better question, who are you most excited about on the Vancouver Canucks? Okay, I'll do both. I'll do what am I most excited about? I am like I am excited about traveling again. We did every game for yeah. Rogers Arena last year, right? Even the road games. So I'm kind of really looking forward to that six game road trip: uh, Edmonton, Philly, Detroit, Buffalo, Chicago, and Seattle. So I'll see, see Seattle's first home game. So I'm looking forward to getting back out in the road. Nice establishing relationships with you know, some of these players that we talk to all the time. Because last year, I never talked to Nate Schmidt once face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I never talked to Brayden Holby once face-to-face. Two guys who seem like just real top-shelf dudes uh, because of COVID, we never saw them. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. And, of course, Shorty and Cheech. Love being on the road with those guys. Yeah. Um, and who am I most looking forward to? 
Well, I'm really interested in seeing uh, Pod Coles, and I want to see if he where he can play up and down the lineup. I think he's a good playmaker, not such a great finisher. So that's one player. I want to see Hoaglander in year two. And th- and th- this might kind of seem weird, but no, I am interested in watching uh, Horvat this year. If they're fully healthy, and he- and Dickinson and whoever it may be with Dickinson, Pud Coles and Pearson are kind of playing the shutdown line role. Yeah. And that frees up uh, Bo to play, you know, five on five minutes versus competition that maybe he can dominate, right? I mean, he's held his own very well, but I think now that you have an actual guy who in Dickinson who had some of the best shot suppression numbers in the league last year, yeah. I didn't worry about that. I really want to see what kind of year Bo Horvat has. So he's got that, plus he's going to have Garland likely on his wing. He's going to have better wingers. Uh, so I think this could be a real a fun year for Horvat. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm also a, a Bo Horvat fan. I'm a Thatcher Demko fan, and because uh, and before that too, but recently I just found out that um, one of uh, the individuals that was set to play with them uh, actually took his own life. It was a London Knights prospect, so his name is Nick Smith, and that's why. And and I actually spoke with Nick's um, aunt on the phone the other day. Um, and they want me to come down to the hometown of Lucan where he lives and kind of meet them. But she was telling me that that's why he wears 53 and, and the numbers. 35. Yeah. For the 35. Yeah. You know yeah. the story, right? So yeah. like these are the, you know, it was a really tough conversation. It was just another story that I hadn't heard of. And yeah. you know, somebody brought it to my attention because I just want to make sure that all these individuals are, are remembered. You know, we, yeah. you know, it's, Great that people are talking about Rick. I always talk about Rick. I'm I'm always telling people I played against Rick Rippin and telling stories about him and what that was like. And uh, you know, but I'm always talking about all of them, you know, because it doesn't matter if they played in the NHL or they were minor hockey players, which unfortunately we've had overdoses and suicides. Minor hot like 14, 15, 16 year olds. And I don't know, you know about this one. People that watch the show know this is the they're all heartbreaking, but this one right here is is to me. Uh, just a terribly sad story. Two brothers in one night at a party, Murph, they overdosed down in the yeah. States. Right. And it's just, I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. I want to get to a couple of comments coming in. Uh, Cause they're, they're kind of, they're kind of funny. I got Kerry Goulet, the Gooch watching. He says, looks look great guys. I think you meant love your passion. Uh, my buddy, David Carlson says, howdy out in Edmonton. The last one you're going to laugh, but it, um, says, good work, buddy. It's Andrew from Cloverdale. Keep fighting. We can all do this together. What's up, Andrew? Uh, Stuart Smith, firefighter out in Abbotsford, friend of mine, says, appreciate both of you for all your work in the area of mental health. We are headed in the right direction. We still have a lot of work to do. Together, we can get there. He also has a question for you. He says, hey, Murph, will you be hanging out in Abbotsford watching the Baby Nucks? I've got my season tickets and can't wait for the season to start. Um, I don't know how much time I'll be able to because... (laughs) Just because of the Canucks, I don't have a lot of time off. I did hang out in Abbotsford a little bit this summer. That's where I grew up. Okay. Uh, I went out there to Ledgeview a couple of times and played some golf uh, charity event uh, with Nick Taylor. And uh, so I went out there uh, a couple of times. Now, my, my father doesn't live there anymore. He's on the island. So I don't go out there as much as I used to. Uh, but I still have friends there. But I, I wouldn't mind um, maybe during the Olympic break. I think there's like a close to a three-week break for the NHLers, assuming that happens. So if there's a time that I go to Abbey and watch a game, I'll see what their schedule looks like there, because I think they do have the opportunity to be a pretty exciting, uh, a pretty exciting team this year with some of the players they sign. No kidding. I got a couple, couple more comments. So um, Dean Smeal, Stan Smeal's brother, he's a 
good good friend of mine he's watching because he knows he knows i'm playing for the first time in like 10 years tomorrow night i'm playing senior a out here in, in ontario i haven't played a game in since 2012 so he said we're sending delorme to watch a senior game in ontario and then his daughter is also watching says first podcast from my roomie she says she loves it so the support from the smeal family uh dean's a great friend of mine um yeah it's uh it's exciting to see the canucks actually have their farm team in abbotsford i i was banging my head against the wall when the abbotsford heat were there it was like that's just like throwing salt on the wound like what are you doing it's so nice that they turn around do you think that's gonna you think it'll make it a little more successful out there for them i i do i mean let's be honest when the heat played there the only time they sold the rink out was when the manitoba moose came because they were vancouver's farm club right i mean that's yeah. that's what happened it was never a good idea the city took a beating so they were I think that's why they were hesitant to get back into this for a while. But this makes sense. I talked to Ryan Johnson. I talked to Trent Call. Like, to have uh, the ability to drive an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the traffic, uh, from one team to the next, whether it be for call-ups, whether it be for the GM, whether it be for the scouts, whether it be for training staff, uh, anything like this, is just it's going to make it so much more seamless. Logistically, it's going to be a whole lot better. I guess the only the only drawback they talk about is that you know Utica, first off, Utica was a great hockey market. They loved it. They loved the rink, a little bit far, far away to live, right? But like in terms yeah. of a hockey environment, it was unreal. And also, the, there wasn't as much travel, right? You kind of got to where you had to go, and you could bus around. Now, you know, for for the Abbey Canucks, they have to fly all the way down to California for any road trip. So I think that the travel is going to be a little more troublesome for them. Uh, but everything else, uh, and, and the travel, of course, cuts down on practice time. That's what Trent Cole's worried about. But everything else uh, just makes it so much simpler, and it's, I think it was a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I'm, I mean, I, I like to hope this anyways, that there's always that there's a greater opportunity for guys to get that shot you know if something happens or whatever they're right there at the canucks disposal you know it's if they're at home right like of course if it's on the road it's different but i just feel like if i'm playing in in abbotsford and i know that the canucks are right there it's just, you know it's not quite as close as the marley's and the leafs but because they're right there but i think just knowing that you're kind of in that that same market man yeah. it would just drive my crank even more to try to get there you know what i mean like because sometimes yeah, totally. Sometimes in these farm teams, you're like some in middle of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> barely even a hockey town or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But which is which can also be great. I shouldn't be knocking any of these towns. I had nothing but amazing times pretty much everywhere I went um, playing hockey. It was it was awesome. What's your favorite city to travel to on the road? Oh, boy. Uh, I think Chicago. I, yeah, I, I was going to say Chicago. <laughs> and I'll say this: these are purely selfish answers because of where we stay, right? Usually stay in a nice hotel in a nice part of town. So Chicago, <laughs> I love. Um, you know, of course you fly down to Fort Lauderdale and you stay on the beach. If, if, if you got a weekend, I don't mind that. I think Nashville is a great town. Um, yeah. you know, obviously New York city, anytime you go, there's fun. You usually, cause they usually play all three teams. So you have like four or five nights at one place. So, uh, I love New York, but I mean, some of the Canadian cities too, like going to a game in Montreal when the barn's packed, it's, I think it's still the best rink experience in the league, uh, yeah. to me. Um, I love Montreal too, especially if you hit it at the right time of year. Oh, lost you for a sec. I lost you for a sec. There we go. Yeah, it's on my phone because my computer doesn't work. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, there you go. Uh, sorry about that phone call coming in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm Montreal in Canada, but uh, New York, Chicago, probably Chicago for me, and Boston. Boston, the Cup Final, Boston in the summer. Man, that was a great town. 
but you you'd love you'll, Boston. I I live in uh, currently. I'm in Harry Sinden's niece's basement. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I, every, everything is Boston Bruins in front of me, and it's painful because you know just 2011. There's there's even like a big giant bear right here with a Boston Bruins jersey and hat on, and you know Neely. The only jersey that's okay is the Cam Neely jersey because he's from Maple Ridge, so that can stay, but. You know, the char jersey and Bork. I don't know. But yeah, it's still it hurts, but I'm a huge Bobby Orr fan. I live kind of close to Perry Sound and uh dream would be to meet Bobby Orr. I still think oh she's pounding on the floor up there. I can hear it because she's watching. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's your if I have to I just having some fun questions. I don't get to do this a lot. I think we covered some pretty heavy stuff off the top. I just want to fire some fun questions. Who's your favorite player of all time? Well, when I was younger. Uh, I, I really like goaltenders. Okay. Like, so uh, my two favorites, I loved Ken Dryden because I saw him on TV all the time. Yeah. And then I loved Glenn Hanlon because he was in Vancouver. Yep. So I'll say that, um, you know, I think if you go in the areas, in the eras, like I was still a, like quite a fan when Stan Smule was playing. Uh, right. <laughs> Hold like, on. <laughs> Shout out Stan Smule. <laughs> I loved him because that's when I was a little bit younger, right? Then when, when I was 18, Trevor Lynn was 18, and then I went to university. So I didn't, you know, watch a little bit, but that's kind of where your, your fandom either goes one way, you kind of step back a bit or you keep moving forward. But for the, for the people I've dealt with, uh, I, I can't say enough nice things about the twins. Super easy yeah, guys to root with, a root for. Uh, but there was guys, there's many guys around the league. You get to this point in your career and you find that you root for players more than you root for teams. Yeah. Um, because that's just kind of the way your job is gone. Your, your sports fandom kind of gets beaten out of you over the years. So I find myself cheering for players, uh, more than teams, but growing up, it was, it was Dryden and Hanlon. I would say when I was in that real street hockey phase. Yeah. I love that. I know those, I know those ones. That's my Pavel Bure phase. And then I then I boycotted the Canucks, and it was Paul Korea because he was from North Van, so <laughs> it was kind of close to home, right? Yeah. Um, if I if you had to choose one player in the league right now, who's the best player in the league? Uh, to me, it's Connor McDavid. Uh, yeah, I, I, me mean, too. I love Nathan McKinnon. I, yeah, I, I love Sidney Crosby. I mean, in fact, probably against the Canucks, uh, I'm just thinking of the dominant games that I've seen. I mean, I McDavid's mean, had many, but there was a game in Denver few seasons back, maybe the year before the pandemic, where I think, um, I think, um, I don't know, I'm going to blank here, or McKinnon, I think he had 20 shot attempts in the game. <laughs> He's so fast. Like, so yeah. But there's, there's nothing like seeing Conor McDavid live uh, in hockey. I, I mean, you know, maybe, obviously, Mario, Wayne, all these guys, fantastic. Like, the greatest of all time, Bobby Orr. But I guarantee you there's nothing like seeing Conor McDavid live. The speed at which he plays and how much faster he is than everyone else and the way he can extend shifts and go when he's a minute 30 into a shift, still have the same acceleration against fresh players on the ice. I'll just say, like, I've never seen anyone like 97. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. People argue with me all the time. Some people say Matthews, McKinnon, and I think they're all great players. But to me, same thing. I, I argue the same thing, and I always put it like I always put McDavid in the same category as Beret. But like Beret was like McDavid. He was like pretty much faster than everybody. But the yeah. comparison now, everybody is as fast as Pavel Beret. But McDavid is like the Pavel Beret versus all the Pavel Berets of today. You know, like that's 
that's like the level difference and it's yeah. pretty remarkable like i just don't know how much like where's the ceiling for hockey now like it's i, I, I thought we were there I, like I, when you I, think I, you're I, there yeah. like you think you're there and then all of a sudden like where is it where do you think sorry to cut you off well I, I don't know about the ceiling but i think that the floors will keep catching up to the best players in the league so the league's always going to be great right it's going to get better and better and better because Players that are playing on fourth line now, if they you know put them back into the eighties, they would have been first liners. Oh yeah, for the most part, right? It's just so I think that the floor is is is, is rising so fast that it, it will, there's always going to be elite players and better than everyone else. But I think that the depth of field is just so much better than that it's ever been, and that's where you're going to see better and better players. That's a very good point. I was thinking not in relation so much to the NHL, but just when I'm watching kids on the ice, like mm-hmm. even. I remember like recently watching watching kids on the ice I had no idea like what level or whatever. I'm assuming they're triple A kids and they're like you know, they're not even rep kids for their age. And I'm like, Well, what the hell what the hell do the rep kids look like then? You know, they're like ten. I'm like, these kids are pretty good. Like these kids are really good, like better than we were at ten. Like, where are the, show me the triple A kids and I've seen them too, and then I'm just like, This is like wow you know and then you're and and every it's there's just so many good players out there right across the board and you're right it's there's such a small minor difference when you get to that elite level like i still think that i played in the american league it's it's a lot better than i think people give it credit for uh, as fans like you know it's just strictly hockey fans i don't think they really realize how good these guys are i really think you could pretty much take anybody out of the american league and slot them in you know, on the either bottom six or fourth line, and nobody's going to know, right? Think of the thing of the fourth line that the Leafs were dressing last year. I think it was Spezza, Nick Patan, and and I'm not even through it, but I'm just like, that's an offensive line. Yeah, that's their fourth line, right? So I I just think that the players are so much better than they have ever been, and and maybe we'll get to a point like we're still going to have obviously defensive minded players, but you're going to have just offense on all four lines, and it's not going to be designated a checking line and a a tough guy line's already gone, obviously. But I yeah. just think that sometimes, I mean, there's going to be so much skill. The only problem is each team to keep their skill and the money and the salary cap. That's that's the tough thing to navigate when you have all these good players. Yeah, it is. It's it honestly, some of that stuff makes my head hurt. Like I I I don't know how these guys, you know, the the stress around the salary cap for these GMs and and trying to manage that. They do such a great job. Some of them, anyways. Yeah. Um, bringing guys in and you know some guys some of them don't i guess but it's uh it's just kind of makes it a little bit more interesting what what do you think of the way that hockey has gone i'm not going to keep you too much longer murph but what do you think the way that hockey has gone with you know less fighting the fighting long line gone like where where are you at with that with concussions and all that kind of stuff i mean um i i first of all i think hockey's moving in the right direction right i, I think it's a direction it had to move uh, especially the information we have uh, about CTE, and I say this, growing up, I loved fighting, right? Yeah. I loved it. I mean, I, I, if there was a good fight, I watched it. I watched the, the rock and sock, and I watched all this stuff. And I think that the moment it finally changed for me was the pleasure I got out of seeing a fight, and at this point it was George Peros and Colt Noir, I think, mm-hmm. uh, was not nearly as great as this dismay I saw of Peros smashing his face on the ice when he got knocked out. Yeah, like the what the, the the scales of justice on that weren't even close, and that's when I was like, you know, do I if I see twenty good fights in a row and I see something like that, is it worth it? And at that point, I was like, no. So I I think you can't take the aggression out of the game. 
you're still going to have guys that get so ticked off at each other going to fight. Um, uh, but now that the stage fights, for the most part, are out of there, I think that's good. I don't think there's ever been more skill, as we just talked about. There's never been more speed. Um, I think uh, we're still moving on, on uh, officials and trying to find the best way to, to, to uh, officiate the game. But I think it's never been a better spot. I think it's still moving in the right direction. I know people are going to call me, you know, wuss or whatever like that. But I, I just think you have to take into account, um, you know, just the effects of brain injuries on these players now and, and in later life. And uh, if they want to get into a little scrap every now and then when, when emotions are high, great. But, I mean, I think we see the numbers going down drastically, and that's a good thing. I think so, too. And I don't think you have to worry about that. We've had this conversation quite a few times on this on this show. I've had many different people, including, you know, Danny Probert, talking about, you know, CTE. And she's become a, a close confidant of mine, which is – she's just – she's awesome. She's so funny. Um, the whole family, but also, you know, Kelly Ewan. And so – and Jim Thompson came on, talked about it, but also had James McEwen, who was the captain in Kelowna, and he's kind of the face of the class action lawsuit against the CHL, which is, you know, is I don't want to get – dive into that so much because I'm not saying that that's the right answer but however you know this is a guy that you know made made his whole career in junior and minor pro and just fighting and and you know so I think we're seeing you know even people like yourself you said that you grew up watching loving it and same thing Rock'em Sock'em was ingrained into me was like watching Ty Domi what it takes and it's like yeah like I'm gonna be this guy and I'm gonna do whatever it takes and uh you know and and I can't tell you how many concussions I've had and the effects and, you know, I don't like to talk about it cause I don't want people to ever be like, Oh, you know, poor, poor Brady or whatever. I don't care to talk about, but like my, I really believe that the concussions and the blows to the head that I've suffered, not only always from fighting, not always only from hockey either, but have definitely played a significant part in, you know, aspects of my life, whether it be my, you know, triggering mental illness on a more severe level, possibly even more of the addiction. Um, but what I find mostly is my memory loss, my short-term memory loss. <laughs> it's bad. Like it's, it's really bad. It's happened many times, even just during this interview where I kind of forget and it happens from time to time. So I think, you know, I, I don't think you have to worry about people calling you a pussy or anything. I think a lot of, most people that I speak to are, are kind of in agreement with, with the way that we're trending. Um, but again, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think you'll ever take it right out. And that's what Jim Thompson said, right? Like, you can't take it right out. Aggression's high. But, you know, maybe, you know, I think, what is the NHL? Three fights still and you're out? Is that yeah. the rule? In a game, yeah. Right? Make, like, so. Make uh, it two. Or, you know, or make it, uh, if you deem it to be staged, not just like an instigator, but a stage fight, take them out. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. there's different things. Yeah. But, you know, I think you have to preserve some of what makes hockey great. But, you know, head injuries is not part of that history. That makes it great. Yeah. Well, one of the last questions I have for you is like, just from what you see being in that environment, you know, I'm friends with Curtis Gabriel. I played against Ryan Reeves and junior and these guys that were kind of the as quote unquote, kind of tougher guys in the NHL. How much of a factor just having a guy like Ryan Reeves say on the bench still play a part in, in even the psyche of the guys in today's game, even though fighting isn't maybe as, you know, yeah. I, I still think intimidation um, is a big part of the game, especially yeah. when you're talking about going to the corners or going to the front of the net, right? I mean, I, I didn't play hockey at any level, but you tell me you go to the front of the net and you get the same defenseman giving you a little poke in the lower back three times, you're, you're a little less inclined to go there as quickly next time. So, 
I think intimidation is a big factor. Um, whether guys can talk, like obviously Reeves can back it up. If you can talk a good game, you can get people off their game. Uh, yeah. So I don't think you'll ever take that out. And, uh, and that's, that's without the fighting aspect of it. There's always going to be some of these guys, especially in the playoffs that, um, you know, what's the old adage, you know, if I take a penalty every time, they can't call it every time. Right. So, um, you know, intimidation will always, will always be a big part of it. I love it. Last question for you. Did you always want to be into broadcasting and, and you can give the long and short version. I'm not yeah. pressed for time by any means, but is how did, how did that come about for you? Was that something that was always in the back of your mind? And if anybody watching is that's kind of something that they want to get into, because I know Kaya watching Kaya Smeal, that's kind of where, what she wants to get into. She's, she's watching and, and just what would you kind of advise for people to, Two things. Um, I got like I didn't think about it until kind of university. I went to university after high school and just to keep you know continuing my education. And then I would go back to Abbotsford, and they were one of the first people that had a sports mobile. And I knew the guy. Uh, my buddy's brother ran it, so they like want to go do a high school basketball game. You want to go do a Muay Thai fighting? You want like so we'd all say, yeah, let's go do it. You want to do a you know a, a rock video show? Yeah, let's do it. So. That's kind of when I started to get into it. Went to BCIT, um, got hired at Sports Page after that as kind of a writer and reporter. And then love Sports Page, yeah. man. I love me. Eulen with the page. Let's go on New Year's. I loved, I grew up on that. I grew up on Sports Page. Sorry to cut you off again. And that was just a great place to kind of learn. And then I got hired at Sportsnet in 99 and then kind of uh, went from reporter to Grizzlies to Canucks. Uh, so that's how I got into it. I, what I will say is to aspiring people, is that, I mean, the landscape has changed so much that now you have to be good at everything. You have to be good at writing. You have to be good on camera. You probably have to be good at blogging. You probably have to be good at radio. Uh, there's you no, know, the social uh, aspect of it. I don't know if there's TikTok. So <laughs> if you want to be in, if you have a depth of field of all these things and you're able to do them all, you're going to make yourself so much more attractive to employers. Also practice set the iPhone up in your room, do a, you know, write a script that you can always be practicing now and looking back at it for real-time real feedback. And the last one is you might know what your ultimate goal is. And if that's to be on the air, let's just say it. Don't turn your nose up again, uh, uh, on other jobs along the way, because those jobs in the industry are going to teach you so much more about the industry. It's going to make you a better broadcaster when you finally get to where you want to be. So don't be afraid, uh, afraid like I wasn't to work in the library, uh, you know, uh, shot listing tapes to work in graphics, like do everything you can to learn about the business because then you'll know much more when you get to where you want to go. I love it. That's awesome. I think, you know, especially I think Kai will appreciate that. She's uh, hopefully going to help me, you know, kind of with this show and, and different things. Cause I'm a one, I'm a one man band. I have been for the last 18 months, but you know, I'm a bit of a hack, but we get it done. And the, the feedback has been great. And I, listen, I appreciate your time, Murph. I know you got the family and you got to get set up for the upcoming season. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate, you know, you kind of navigating that conversation between Kevin and Dr. Badali. And I'll make sure that all the links to that um, are in the description. Make sure you guys all check that out. What do you guys have uh, more plans to do more things like that down the road? And there's, I told TC I was uh, open to anything. So he, he knows that if there's something to be done, I'll, I'll help him. So he's he lives a mile away, so I'm sure I'll hear about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Dean Smeal saying, great word. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, words. Man. Words. He changed it. Words. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, buddy, listen, thank you. I appreciate it. And let's stay in touch. And 
And yeah, you know, I'll be watching. Go Canucks, go, right? Yeah. And Brady, uh, congrats on, on, on this show. Uh, best of luck moving forward. Kudos to you for keeping the conversation going, lending a voice, uh, you know, puck support. Um, you're doing good things. So keep it up and congratulations on the venture. I, I very much appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, you too, man. Keep up the good work and, and get out there and have fun. Enjoy your job again, man. You get to go travel and, and do, you know, actual be in there. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's exciting for you. I'm happy. I'm happy for everybody uh, that things are opening up. So I'm looking forward to watching. We'll talk soon, buddy. Cheers. Thanks, Brady. Thanks, Murph. That's Dan Murphy from Sportsnet. Guys, I have a pretty cool announcement, actually. Today, uh, just going back on the mental health stuff. So today, we kind of finalized the details uh, between Minor League Madness. Uh, if you don't follow Minor League Madness on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, uh, go check them out. Check out their podcast. That's my guy, Brayden Lowe's. Uh, podcast and platform, Minor League Madness. He is a former WHL alumni, current Reading Royal of the East Coast Hockey League, and he is the founder of Minor League Madness. Now, we are partnering with Minor League Madness and Tyler Smith, my buddy, the Humboldt Broncos survivor. Uh, the, The three of us, Tyler, and what he's doing, me and Puck Support, Braden and Minor League Madness, who is a current Minor League player. They focus on the AHL and the East Coast Hockey League. That's what Minor League Madness is. All their content is from the minors. So, long story short, I'm not going to break all the news right now, but you guys know me. I can't really keep a secret when it's something this awesome. So, we are on October the 12th. Um, launching, we're going to make it available that Tyler is going to be available and uh, other supports will be available to all the players in East Coast Hockey League and the American Hockey League uh, just as uh, mental health advisor positions uh, and, you know, if the players need uh, more help. This is sort of like the test run. And when I first had the idea to start Puck Support, The idea for Puck Support was this, was to help retired professional and junior hockey players. It's since expanded. Of course it has because we need to touch on way more topics. However, in the beginning, I was focusing on the stories of Matthew Lazinski and my friend Mitch Fadden. That's all I could think about. Then I started to uncover other stories at even the younger levels. But it it was, the original idea was to help Retired and current professional junior hockey players. So by doing this, essentially the original dream is coming true. So they have a partnership with uh, the, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to say the official partnerships and everything. I'm going to leave that to Brayden and minor league madness. They're going to have it. It's going to be like a, on their website, a one click, you know, fill out a contact form and you're getting contact if you need support, if you are a current player uh, in those leagues. And we hope to expand this out even further. But that is where we're going to start. It's awesome. I had the meeting today. I could honestly start to cry because that was the original dream. So it's not just the current players. We have access to the former players as well. So anybody that's come to those leagues, 
We're going to start to be building this around that so we can connect with all of them. If they need support, they need to talk to someone, they're going to get it. It needs to evolve. We're obviously going to need to raise some money towards this. But that is all to me and to the guys, to Tyler, to Brayden. Those are like the minute details that we're going to work out because we want to bring this. We want to, we want to be able to support these guys that are playing professional hockey in the minor leagues who are so oftenly looked over and there's not a whole ton of support for them. They got to jump through a million hoops. So we took it on. We took it upon ourselves in a leadership position, as Braden said today on the phone call. He's like, I'm proud of, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of us for taking on the leadership role to, to really bring this to life. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Damn right. So I'm proud of us too. Cause this needs to happen. And this is just the first step. There's so many great things going on. I look forward to just getting out there and helping people. If you're watching live, please smash that like button, share it, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, please take the time to rate and review. That's how the, like the ratings go out and the algorithm and all that stuff. I don't ask me the exact logistics of it. But if you have a couple seconds, if you're just sitting there, please do me a favor. Just rate and review it. If you've already rate and reviewed it, do it again. I don't know. But I just appreciate each and every one of you guys and girls. I look forward to uh, getting back on the ice tomorrow with the Maxville Mustangs. Shout out Matt Thompson. We're going down there uh, tomorrow or up there, I guess. It's up near Ottawa. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Full disclosure, full disclosure. I'm having a little bit of a health issue today with my uh, with my stomach. I'm not going to go any further details, but like something that's never happened to me before, and I'm a little worried. So hopefully it's nothing, and I can just push through it. But you know, I've been talking to Matt. Matt's calling me. He's like, "How you doing, man? Like, how's your stomach? Like, are you, don't play if you're." And I'm like, "Man." Don't worry. Don't worry. Gordy Howe elbow. Top bunk, buddy. Let's go, Dino. Anyways, I think that's it for this September the 30th. National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Proudly wearing my shirt, my orange shirt. I read something today. It that stated like if you're unsure about how to go about the national day for truth and reconciliation and how to kind of approach it in your mindset, treat it sort of like remembrance day. And that that really resonated with me. Maybe it doesn't with you, but a lot of lives were lost. There's still a lot of pain out there. People are still suffering. This is not just about wearing an orange shirt for one day talking about it for one day, just like mental health isn't one day. It's a 365 day a year thing. If we really want to bring change and the same thing goes for the national day for truth and reconciliation here in Canada. So let's, let's all do more. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Wish me luck this weekend, two games. Oh, I was going to share a really funny story. We'll just see how it all plays out. Elbows up and fists up. I'll be slow. Might not be the fastest out there. You can always control one thing in hockey, though, isn't 
what's the one thing you control? I know we talked about it and we're kind of getting it out, but I don't know. I haven't been in a good hockey scrap for like a decade. Maybe like a one and done thing. What do you guys think? Drop a comment below. Maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I, when you when you play with one, I play one way and one way only. Like there's no way somebody does something to my teammate or pisses me off. Like the gloves are coming off. The true rep is coming on Saturday night too. Or the uh, he's not the rep actually. He's the marketing guy from True. He's coming. Yes, the hot tub is working. Matt's hot tub is working. Anyways, I'm shutting up. Time to go. I got to get ready. Pack my bag. Hit the road first thing tomorrow. Taylor and the kids are actually coming, which is going to be kind of cool just for the kids to see me on the ice. I'm super stoked about that. Wish me luck, guys. Be kind to everybody. Stay grateful. Have a great day. If you so choose. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. I'm grateful, oh yeah, Till I get just what I want, yeah Rise just like the sun, yeah Fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot him Till I fall, yeah, let's do it alone So I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow Till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all the art It's my only medicine, yeah Everything I do, I'm just being genuine Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed Feel my own agenda yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in, yeah. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me. I have only a path, I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going to win.